Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. All right, all right, all right, all right. As you can see from the slide today, we're talking about serving within, but we're not just talking about what it means for us to serve inside the context of the church, although what we'll talk about today does have to do a lot with that. We're talking more generally about what is going on inside of our heart. How are we connecting deeply with the concept of service? How are we moving beyond a sense of serving from a place of duty? to a place of serving from an impetus of the heart that resembles the heart of the Father and the heart of Jesus, one of deep compassion for people. And so tonight we're talking about this brave compassion leads us to serve with abandon, transforming hearts and lives. Watch this. Brave compassion leads us to serve with abandon, transforming hearts and lives. And that's what we're talking about today, this idea of brave compassion. It's not just compassion, something that's kind of existing inside of us, uh, emotional impetus. And it's not just bravery, being someone who, out of a sense of duty, steps into doing something. It's these two things combined. What's happening inside of me? What's stirring in my emotions? What is prompting me to step step out. And then that sense of bravery that pushes us to step out into action. And that's what I want us to focus on today, what's happening on the inside. This past week, as I was at a conference called Story, and the first guy who got, to, uh, got up to speak was this guy named Brad Montague. And in his talk, he talked about how he had this kind of encounter with an internet troll, and they kind of got into it with one another. And this guy had said something to Brad that really kind of disturbed him, that upset him emotionally. And he took it hard, and he reached out to the guy, and he said, hey, here's just a little bit of my story. Here's who I am. I'm a dad. I, uh, I, I'm a husband, I do this with my living, here are, uh, here are some of my insecurities, here's who I am. And then he asked them, who are you? And they ended up having this back and forth as a result of kind of this guy attacking him on the internet. And in that back and forth, Brad said that he just discovered this truth that we're all people who want to be loved. We're all people who are looking to be loved. Later on, I had the opportunity at kind of a roundtable discussion that I was moderating. I was sitting right next to Brad, and it was a room full of people. And, and it was just this beautiful moment where I'm sitting next to him, realizing that he has kind of a meek spirit, but is so connected in the moment, so connected to the people in the room. There was this deep sense of care and compassion that was flowing out of him that really like spoke to me in a significant way. And as I was sitting there, I came to this realization that brave compassion flows most freely out of the most confident among us. And when we think about that idea of the most confident among us, maybe we think about the people who we perceive to have it all together, or the people who seem to have all the answers, or the people who can stand up and answer a question at any given moment. But that's not the kind of confidence that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a deeper sense of confidence that leads us to be people who are willing to be vulnerable. And that, I think, is the greatest strength when we get together, 
that we would be people who are so strong that we're willing to open ourselves up and bear who we are and step into a moment where we're willing to sacrifice for the sake of one another because true strength comes through true vulnerability. A couple weeks ago when I was teaching, I talked about how growing up so often I was trained in apologetics. I was trained to be strong. I was trained to know all the answers. I was trained to be able to respond with the right thing at the right time to win an argument. And at the same time, very rarely, in fact, I'm not sure it ever happened, was I ever encouraged to be the person who notices the lowly, lonely person sitting at a table during lunch and building up the bravery to go and from a place of compassion be in relationship with that person, to be the one who loved from a place of brave confidence and true strength that made me vulnerable in that moment. And true strength comes through vulnerability. I don't know if you ever see these videos of like, you know, the middle school football team who, you know, there's the, the Down syndrome kid in their school who wants nothing more than to be on the football team. And so these kids like in their wisdom as middle schoolers come around this kid and lift him up and invite him in and put him in the jersey and highlight him at the pep rally and he stands on the field with them and he runs out with the team. And every time I see a story like that, it just makes me well up with emotion. Because I know that what it's like to be a middle schooler or honestly an adult, even today, who's the person who's willing to have enough strength and enough bravery to step out and make ourselves vulnerable. And I think that when we're willing to do that, it stirs in up, up in us this concept of brave compassion that ends up transforming hearts and lives and the world around us. Brave compassion comes with a great cost. And that's what we'll spend most of today talking about. But at the end of the message today, we'll realize, we'll come to the point and ask this question is what is the reward of all the cost that comes, of being a, comes with being a person of brave compassion? And it's first embodied in the heart of Father God. We see it in the heart of God from the very beginning. And I think if we come to a deep understanding of even the beginning of the story, we understand the root of the story that God in his creative power is creating with the intention of connection. And there's something powerful about who God is in that he can speak things into being. But there is another level of strength in God's creative power. The strength in God's act of creation wasn't just his ability to make. It's that he knew he was setting himself up to be vulnerable. What is it like to be God? Like, I don't know how God got the power that God has. I don't know how God became a God who could just speak things into existence. But that is what God does, and that is who God is. But then God steps into this place of great vulnerability, of saying, I want to be in relationship. And so I'm going to create all of humanity. And then I'm going to give humanity the option to choose. 
And there was great strength in God's willingness to step into a place of vulnerability. And I think when we understand that, it totally transforms our understanding of God's compassionate heart for us, of God's brave compassion that's demonstrated for us over and over again. And it gives us a deeper insight to the ups and downs of the relationship that the Hebrew people had with Father God throughout the whole of the Old Testament this up and down of relationship and God's continual pursuit of those people out of a place of perpetual compassion for them. And so as we talk about kind of what compassion costs us today, we're going to go through like 10 things that compassion costs us. And the first of them is embodied in God's pursuing heart of his people. That brave compassion disturbs our emotions when we are people who open ourselves up to compassion, it begins affecting us emotionally. And we will have wonderful days of great joy. But when we release our hands, when we open our hands and we release control of everything that's happening to us and we step into the world and we step into church life with an expectation of being people of compassion, it makes us susceptible to pain. Because people are people, and we are people in relationship with one another. And that's exactly what happened when God created humanity and take, took the brave step of being a person of vulnerability, a God of vulnerability. In Isaiah 49, shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice, you earth, burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. And when we are pained, it gives us a glimpse when God shows us compassion of his deep and brave, bold compassion for us. Psalm 51, 1, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Because God so deeply desires to be in relationship with us, his heart for us is stirred, and he desires to be in relationship with us. And so it is a deep, moving thing for God when we put our hand up and separate ourselves from him because of transgression. It pains him, it disrupts, disturbs his emotions. Psalm 86, 15, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. I hope that we all have a heart of compassion that leads us in moments in life to have and allow our emotions to be disturbed when we see things that are happening in the world. Because we have such a brave compassion that we are stirred when we see brokenness. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's orphans or widows or hungry or poverty or injustice or sex slavery. I hope that there are things that are disturbing our emotions, that we can be people of brave compassion who open our hands and allow ourselves to step into a place where our compassion costs us something. Brave compassion also disrupts our comfort. One of the costs of being a person of brave compassion is that it disrupts our comfort. And how much of our lives do we spend trying to create, craft and create a life for ourselves that's comfortable? To cut out all discomfort. 
But what does God's fathering heart show us? That God the Father chose to leave the comfort and the perfection and the glory of heaven and take on human flesh and come to earth for the sake of us because of his brave compassion. Because his heart is stirred for us, because the root of everything that is between us and him is built deeply in relationship and he so desperately desires that. That his heart of compassion for us wasn't just a theoretical heart of compassion. It was brave compassion that caused him to say, I'm going to release comfort and step into the discomfort of humanity so that I can pursue those whom I love. Brave compassion disrupts our comfort. A few years ago, actually probably a decade ago now, I have this friend Jeremy And he went on a short-term mission trip to Haiti, and he came back and he said, you know what, my comfort has been disrupted. I'm going to move to Haiti. And I remember a couple weeks before he left, he was over at my apartment, and there were a bunch of people over, and I was like, hey, man, can we talk in the hallway for a minute? So we go out into the hallway, the door closes behind us, and he and and I are there face-to-face, and I'm like, hey, man, listen, I love that you have this, like, desire to go down there, but, like, have you worked out all the details? Is this going to be effective? Do you have everything together? And I was extremely concerned about the details, but Jeremy and I were on totally different pages, and everything I had to say was totally irrelevant because Jeremy had stepped into a, into a place where his bowels, his heart, the depths of his insides were overflowing with compassion for a people that he saw were in need. And he was prepared and ready to go to abandon the comfort of his day-to-day life to serve people well. And it's that kind of service with abandon that transforms hearts and lives. And we see this idea of compassion costing something, not only in the life of God the Father, but over and over again in the life of Jesus. Here are just a few things that we see about the truth of Jesus, that Jesus has this gut of compassion. There is this Greek word that looks like this and is pronounced somehow. <laughs> and it's literally the word in Acts chapter 1 when, um, when Judas goes and he goes to this field and he cuts open his his stomach and his insides fall out. This is the word that's used. It's this deep sense of bowel compassion, this deep sense of like gutness, of something happening deep inside of us. And this same word is used when it comes to Jesus several times in the New Testament. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus sees this leper calling out to be healed. And in verse 41, it says, Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and healed this leper deep inside of Jesus' bowels. He was moved. It wasn't just some sort of act to prove something. It wasn't just some sort of thing that allowed him to fulfill a prophecy. It wasn't a sense of duty. It was a movement inside of him. It was something that he felt deep with inside of himself. Later in Luke chapter 7, he sees this procession leaving the city and they're carrying a dead son and his mother is there with the procession and the people are crying and weeping. And in verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. And he went over and he touched that child and he raised them to life and he reunited 
son and mother. And it wasn't an act of duty. It was because Jesus was deeply moved on his insides. And I think when we talk about serving one another, it is essential that we not only serve one another out of a sense of duty, which maybe some days we will have to do. Some days we will just have to choose to serve because it's what we're called to and we don't feel like it. But long-term service, long-term health for us in this room only comes when we are stirred like Jesus was stirred from a deep sense of compassion from within us. And because of this deep sense of compassion, we see Jesus' compassion costing him over and over again. What do we learn from the life of Jesus? We learn that brave compassion interrupts our agenda. In Matthew chapter 20, there are these two blind men who call to Jesus. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. Jesus has somewhere to go. Jesus has an agenda. Don't disrupt him. We're on a schedule here. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. What does brave compassion, this deep sense of love and care inside of us that leads to action, what does that cost us? It costs us our agenda. We move through life from one thing to the next with our own personal agenda. But when we align with the heart of Jesus, it costs us our agenda because he makes us aware of the people around us that we are called to serve from that deep place of compassion. It also costs us this, brave compassion reforms our mission. John 6, for I have come down from heaven, Jesus says, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of, uh, none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. So here's what happened later with Jeremy. He goes there, and after about a year and a half or two years of establishing his life in Haiti, this massive hurricane, you may have remembered it, comes through Haiti and utterly destroys the entire island. But the place where Jeremy had spent the last two years cultivating and developing. They had dug these trenches that allowed water to flow around the village, and they had built bridges so that people could walk from one place to another, and they had to rebuild some bridges, but so many of the homes were saved because Jeremy's comfort was disrupted. He left the comfort of America. He went to the people that he had deep compassion for. His agenda was interrupted, and God reformed his mission. And it cost Jeremy years of his life, but it was transformational service that led to the transformation of hearts and lives and the place and the people that he was serving. Brave compassion encroaches upon our boundaries. 
And these things may be hard to hear. Brave compassion disturbs our emotions. Brave compassion disrupts our comfort. Brave compassion interrupts our agenda. Brave compassion reforms our mission. Brave compassion encroaches upon our boundaries. We do so many things to set up protections around us because we're afraid, because we have crafted a life that serves us. But we can't ignore these stories of the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus has just heard of the execution of his cousin, John the Baptist. And when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. If there was a moment for Jesus to say, "Uh uh-uh, not right now, I got to take care of this, I got to build a wall around me and you, Jesus still opened himself up, and he took that brief moment on that boat, but when he got to the other side of the lake, there were thousands of people there, and he got off the boat, and he turned his eyes to them, and he healed their sick. And shortly after this, this is the story in which we see Jesus feeding the 5,000. And so again, he heals their sick, and then he feeds them. And Mark chapter 6 says that Jesus had compassion on them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. In John chapter 19, we see it again. Jesus is hanging on the cross. And if there is a moment where Jesus has the right to say, I'm in anguish and I'm in pain and I can't handle anything else or anybody else right now, I got to focus on me. In the midst of that, he looks out and he sees his mother and he sees this disciple whom he loves. And he says to that disciple, here is your mother. And he says to that mother, here is your son, take care of one another. And even in that painful moment, that most painful moment of anguish anguish in Jesus' life, he turns his eyes from himself and he turns his eyes to the world and he thinks about them because he is a person of brave compassion that uh, that allows him to pour out of himself and it costs him something. Brave compassion diminishes our energy. Is anybody encouraged yet? (laughs) Brave compassion diminishes our uh, our energy. Jesus with a Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was noon. We live as humans in a human world, in a place of finite energy. And when we serve, it depletes us of our energy. That is what it means for us to be human. And the same was true for Jesus that his brave compassion leading to action, going from town to town, spending day after day with his disciples and other people and training and teaching and healing, it cost him his energy. The same is true for us that when we step out to serve, it will cost us our energy. Brave compassion causes us trouble. 
In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. One Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into the well on a Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. And this put Jesus in danger. This caused Jesus trouble in his relationships with other people and in his ministry. Ryan, a few weeks ago, talked about the reality that it wasn't nice moral lessons that got Jesus executed. It was deep, radical compassion for people that led him to disrupt the norms, to create a new system, to topple over the power structures of the day. That is what caused Jesus, Jesus, first of all, to be extremely effective, and second of all, led to his death. And it wasn't just Jesus. It was also the bold and brave compassion of the New Testament church who every day met together and ate together and loved together and served together and prophesied over one another and sold everything they had and continued to press against the systems of power and the structures and the things that existed that kept people oppressed. And they, in the midst of that, stepped into that. And it cost most of them their lives. And I wonder what they, looking at us today, would say, why is it so important for the church in America to stand up to the flag and pledge allegiance to the empire? When that very thing is the thing that killed us because we were so full of compassion that it radically transformed the world. Yet we stand in allegiance to something other than God. Why is it that we don't exhibit bold compassion that radically transform, transforms the world around us and we're so concerned with protecting our boundaries and we're so concerned with keeping the poor people away and we're so concerned with sweeping the things that we don't like under the rug so we don't have to look at it and be confronted by it. But when we are stirred with the deep compassionate heart of God, it allows us to open our hands so that we can love the world well in a way that leads us to serve and transform lives and the world around us. Yet we infight and we keep our things to ourselves. And it's totally opposite of what we see in the early church's demonstration of how they lived. Brave compassion draws from our bank account and maybe you could say, you know what, I'll, do, I'll, I'll you know, undo my comfort, I'll undo my safety, I'll undo my security, but maybe this is the thing that you get hung up on. Like, I'm going to keep my money, and my money is my money, and that's my thing, and don't you dare talk to me about it. But in Acts chapter 2, we see that every day they were gathering together, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And what I love about this is that they weren't just selling their stuff and giving it to those who had need out of a sense of duty. 
They were doing it because every day they were sharing their lives together and they had a deep sense of love for one another. They cared for one another. They spent their lives together. Everything was about relationship, just like we see God in his creative work saying, I want to create humanity because I want to be in relationship with them. And therefore, I'm going to give everything to make that possible. The first church did just that. They sold everything they had so that they could serve the people who were in need. And we are called to demonstrate this same sort of sacrifice when it comes to brave compassion. Brave compassion calls us to forego our angst. 2 Corinthians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander. Along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. You and I are called to exhibit brave compassion as we forego our angst, as we let go of our fighting with one another, our infighting with one another. If we are going to be a church who serves one another well, we must be people who do it from a heart of compassion and kindness, that we do it in gentleness and patience, as we serve at the front door, as we serve in the tech booth, as we serve coffee, as we serve vacuuming the floor, we have to be people who not only do it from a sense of calling, but we do it because God is stirring something inside of us, a deep care and compassion that moves us beyond any sort of disagreement, that moves us beyond any sort of hanging on to the offenses that have happened to us, that we would say, I love you, I care for you, I'm going to pursue unity, I'm going to pursue reconciliation. And think about the contrast of seeing someone just vacuuming in the back, right? And you walk by, but something stands between you and that person, and you can't even look them in the eye. And right there, they're serving, but we've missed something because there's angst or there's malice or there's disagreement between us, and we can't even look them in the eye. And then the contrast of that picture of someone vacuuming in the back and we can walk by and smile and say thank you and they're doing it not out of a sense of duty and begrudgingly but because they love and they're moved in their bowels to, to serve one another. And we, as we walk by them, we smile and we say thank you and we know who you are and we care about you from a deep place of compassion. So... Let me read this list just to encourage you one more time. Brave compassion disturbs our emotions. Brave compassion disrupts our comfort. Brave compassion interrupts our agenda. Brave compassion reforms our mission. Brave compassion encroaches upon our boundaries. Brave compassion diminishes our energy. Brave compassion causes us trouble. Brave compassion draws from our bank account. Brave compassion calls us to forgo our angst. So if it costs us so much, why do it? If it's so costly, why do it? 
And I go back to that memory of just a few days ago sitting at that roundtable discussion right next to Brad Montague and his sense of goodness that radiates from his persona and his belief that we're all just people who want to be loved and his deep heart of brave compassion sitting there looking him in the eye. There was something amazing about his ability to be present with people. There was something inspiring about who he was and his ability to connect. And I think that's why we do it. If it costs so much, we do it because sacrificial service is where we experience God. Sacrificial service is where we embody God's character. Sacrificial service is where we become like Jesus. And not only does it connect us to God, sacrificial service is where we experience deep connection with other people. We say, I got to protect my bank account because once I get enough money, people will like me. I got to protect my agenda because once I get farther enough down the road and accomplish enough stuff, people will look at me and think I'm awesome and love me. And so we protect it in hopes that people will someday find us valuable. But that will never get us loved. Love comes because we're willing to, from a deep place of authentic compassion, act and serve one another. And in that, we connect deeply, more deeply than we ever could connect with anyone through any way that we try to prove our value. There's intense relationship formed in the fires of serving one another because it's difficult, because it costs us something. Service flowing from a heart of compassion allows us to connect deeply and authentically with God and other people. And that is the thing that we are all searching for. That is the thing that we all want and need. It is the root of who we are, not only as humans, but the root of who God is. The root of who God is, is relational. I want to know you. I want to be with you. I want to love you and be loved by you. That is God's deepest desire. And it is also ours, whether we know it or not. Everything that we are doing in life is so that we can love and be loved. And the best way to that, in fact, maybe the only way to that is to be a person who is so stirred with compassion that we step into the bravery of vulnerability to say, I love you and I want to serve you. But if we serve with an agenda, we miss out on the blessing of authentic connection. We can't serve because we want people to love us. We can't serve because we want people to think we're good to them. We must serve because of that deep, guttural sensation. Not because we ate like bad food, but something that's stirring inside of us that says, I love you. And I know that you want to be loved. 
And every time somebody comes up against us, every time somebody tries to exert power, every time somebody laughs at us, every time somebody ridicules us, it has something to do with not being loved. And our deep compassion for those people, authentic deep compassion, allows us to step into a transformative relationship with them that changes the world ultimately it connects us with God because we are being him in that moment and it connects us with other people second Corinthians chapter 1 praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God has loved us with a deep compassion and has given himself to the point where it cost him everything. And we are called to embody, to reflect, to reciprocate that. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, which we will be as we sacrifice for the service and sake of others, it is for your comfort and your salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffered. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. There is this reciprocal sense of connection in us, the body of Christ that says, I will sacrifice for you and you will sacrifice for me. And in our mutual sacrifice, embodying and reflecting the sacrifice of God, we will connect in a way that brings us life unlike anything else could ever bring us life while we are alive. It is what we are called to, it is what we are searching for, and ultimately is what all of us want. And so as we sing these last two songs, I want us to reflect on these two questions. In what way do you want to grow in brave compassion? Maybe you're a brave person and you do a lot, you're willing to step out, but it's just from a sense of duty like a robot. And you need something in your bowels going on. Or maybe you're a bowel person who's really timid and afraid and you need to be the person who says, I feel this thing, but I can't, I'm afraid. And you need a little dose of that bravery. Or maybe in all of these things that we talked about that cost us, you're like, ooh, I'm afraid to sacrifice in that. And tonight we need to open our hands and our heart to be just a little bit more generous to give just a little bit more to embody that characteristic of Jesus or the heart of the Father. And the second question, who can you serve with brave compassion this week? I want this to be practical for us. So write down a name. Write down some way that you can be specifically compassionate. What is God stirring in you around being compassionate and a person who steps out in brave compassion? This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. 
We hope you join us again soon.